The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Uh, how did uh, yesterday go, and, and how does the, the thumb feel today? Uh, it's, it's sore. Uh, <laughs> it was a pretty good throwing session yesterday. Uh, just... You know, trying to get the motion back and everything, uh, get it feeling where I want it to feel. It hurts. <laughs> and uh, I, don't, I don't know how else to describe it. It's, it feels like the web in your hand is kind of tearing a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's, that's probably the best way I could describe it. But, you know, it's, it's all good. Might you keep the decision about who's going to start um, hidden, um, I guess, as late as possible, even if you have made that determination earlier in the week if that makes any sense yeah it makes total sense i, I haven't made it now um which is the truth and i probably will make it before the game starts and i will not tell you guys when i do that so for all the reasons you just asked i would i would hope that kyle shanahan will make the decision on who the starting quarterback is before the game begins i would like to think that kickoff would be the absolute deadline for knowing who your starting quarterback is. He's getting soft. I mean, he's just getting soft out there. I don't even know what else to say. What was it, like, you know, 62 degrees and he had to put a winter hat on out in Santa Clara? <laughs> what a wimp he is. Um, <laughs> I just having fun. The, the, uh, <laughs> the situation with the 49ers is very simple. They need to win. They need to win. And the Rams are a team that they have dominated in recent years. Yeah. The Rams have an incentive to keep trying to win as we sort out playoff seating and whatnot. Uh, but we just don't know who the quarterback is going to be. It sure looks like it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Trey Lance wasn't horrible last week, but he wasn't spectacular. Either. It wasn't so good that you got to give him another start and we're just going to rest Jimmy G for the playoffs. I think they need to rebuild Garoppolo's confidence a little bit Yeah. after that Thursday night game against the Titans two weeks ago. And who better to do it against than a Rams team that they have thoroughly dominated in a winning-in scenario where you know you have to win this game to get in. And you're going against a team that you are very familiar with beating. Uh, the the only bad news is the Rams need a win to wrap up the division title, uh, so they will be they will be going for it to the same extent that the 49ers are going for it. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. I mean, it's a huge football game. It really is. I mean, of course, we know it's bigger for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, it, to me, where I look at it and just go, I'm a, I'm amazed. First off, that they're a little in this situation. 
And also, they're one of those teams, Mike, like we talked about last week, you know, where you go, if they get in, like, I'm not going to be shocked if we're sitting here championship Sunday and the 49ers are in the, in, in the championship game. They have that type of talent. You know, they blew some games through the, throughout the year that they should have won. There's no doubt. This, twice to the Seahawks. The Cardinals at home with Colt McCoy, a quarterback. You know, Carson Wentz and the Colts at home in a rainy game. You know, mess some things up in that football game. You know, so that's where they're in a tough spot. And, you know, you, you said it right. Trey Lance did some good things. Hey, that was, that was great. But in a game like this, you know, with a, a certainly a, a better quality defense here, the Rams defense has kind of got it going. You know, we've seen them kind of smother people. Even Stafford's turning the ball over, and they're still holding teams to the limited points. They're, they're getting good here to where I do think they need Jimmy G to beat the Rams. I do. I don't think they're going to be able to just do it with the Trey Lance, run the ball, and we'll call a few play-action passes, and he'll hit a few of them, and that'll win us the game. I have a hard time thinking that'll be the, the way or the path to victory. They're, this is where they're going to need Jimmy G again because the 49ers aren't as dominant in the run game as we've seen maybe in their Super Bowl year or other times. The drop-back pass game – has to be a little bit of an element of their team right now to help them win football games. And yeah, Jimmy G's a little, you know, scary at times in that, but not as scary as Trey Lance, certainly better. And we've seen him play some clean games. So I, that to me is going to be a big question mark, you know, as far as who I think can win the game or how it plays out, because I do think that their chances of winning on the road against LA in their, you know, in a big game for them to where they could be they can still be, what, the two seed, right? Uh, they want to make sure they win the division and have a home playoff game. That's not going to be an easy circumstance for a rookie quarterback who hasn't played a whole lot this year. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The 49ers won the game 31-10 to when they played Week 10 at Levi's Stadium on Monday Night Football. And it is amazing. It's five straight games that the 49ers have beaten the Rams. And from the Rams' perspective, there's another reason to go for it and beat the 49ers on Sunday. You don't want to cross paths no with doubt. the 49ers no in doubt. the playoffs. You never want to play a team from your own division in the playoffs because those teams know you better. And when there's a team from your division that you may encounter in the playoffs that has beaten you five and now maybe six straight times, all the more reason. Yes. Knock them out while you can. Right. You'd rather play any other team from any other division than a team from your division. A hundred percent. You know, and then you add on that, you know, McVay worked for Shanahan. Shanahan knows a lot of McVay's tricks. Uh, he knows what, you know, how he approaches certain coverages and defenses and, and things like that. So that's, that's, you know, again, like you're talking about, not only is there a division knowledge there, there's a personal knowledge there that's scary to the Rams. And the 49ers are one of those teams, again, that we talk about a matchup league. They just match up well with the Rams in a lot of ways. You know, the Rams are a speed team. They're all about, you know, speed. They're not necessarily big. The 49ers are also more of a speed team, but have more size than the Rams too. So they're like, hey, we're a little bigger we might not be quite as fast as you, but we're not that much slower. It's pretty close, and we got the size advantage on you. And that's where, you know, it becomes a tricky matchup. And, then, hey, listen, you know, we talk about the 49ers and their quarterback thing. We've talked about this a lot. The, the other damn quarterback on the other side, too, crap, he's a question mark, too. You know me. I'm the biggest Matthew Stafford defender there is out there over the, since we've known each other. But, crap, I mean, he's shaky as hell here right now. He's shaky as hell. He is the question mark about the Rams going to the playoffs, and I can't believe I'm saying that here in Week 18, but I am. you know. And, and yeah, can he play a clean football game? 
Uh, He didn't play a clean football game the first time they played. He had the dumb interception where he just threw it up to Odell Beckham Jr. And I know some other ones that weren't his fault. But, uh, yeah, uh, the quarterback is truly the question mark for both teams in this football game to see who comes out on, on the victorious side. Before we move on to the next game, the potential return of Cam Akers, and he could play this weekend, uh, yeah. if not then in the playoffs. Do, do you see that potentially sparking a dramatic change of the Rams' offense where they they maybe make it less about the pass and balance it out a little bit more and maybe hope that that'll make it easier to pass, put a little less pressure yes. on Matthew Stafford? great thought and that's it's it's something I've talked about on my podcast where yes I do think it'll make a difference it's a it's a good Rams offensive line it's not great it's nothing special but you know they don't waste plays they know the run plays they do and they not really know how to execute them and to your point Mike yes you know, the way they're playing uh, they don't need to be the high-flying Matthew Stafford Detroit Lions type of offense I just want them to be the Jared Goff offense that's just more aggressive and open because you got a guy who's got a laser beam for an arm. Uh, to me, that and that will help them do that with a healthy backfield and a stable of running backs there that can help them out. To where I, I do get him under center, run the ball, play actions, boots. You know, you you obviously can add more to the repertoire off of that. You know, as compared to a Jared Goff because of the incredible arm talent with Matthew Stafford. But I think you're right there. And I, I would hope to see maybe a little bit more of that approach as we go on here and go through the playoffs from them. Does rattling off a word like repertoire, does that like repertoire. negate a Simsism? Is that like money in the bank for a future Simsism? <laughs> I don't know. I got lucky. I pulled some repertoire. words out of my butt today. I know. I even said it with like a French <laughs> accent there. I don't even know what I, the know. Hell I was saying. <laughs> I know. I know. Well done. By the way, if the Saints beat the Falcons on Sunday and the 49ers lose to the Rams, the Saints are in and the 49ers are out. For the Chargers and Raiders, it's basically a playoff play-in game, although there are other permutations that are less likely, but we're setting it up as winners in, losers out. Chargers won back in week four, which was the last, I think the last John Gruden game with the Las Vegas Raiders, that Monday night game. Remember he, yeah. he oh, it was the last game before the crap hit the fan. That's and what it was. he had one more game because he did a Sunday game. He had one game more game the after that. Day, the crap. Right. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. But but uh, that was the game where there was a lightning delay, even though there's a roof on the stadium, and he was like, we're complaining about that and complaining <laughs> yeah. about the locker rooms after the game. The Chargers led. They they let the Raiders back into it, and then they pulled away and won the game 28-14. to uh, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr in an elimination game. Chargers have been wildly inconsistent. The Raiders have overcome a lot of adversity. This one's a tough one for me. We're going to do the Mega Picks podcast later today, and I've gone back and forth and back and forth, and that makes for a great game. It's got that playoff vibe. And uh, what's the main thing you're going to be looking for to, to, to early on to get the idea of, of who's really got the better of this one? Yeah, I, I look. I think the, the thing I look at more than anything here is the Raiders' run game, which has kind of come alive here a little bit, you know, over the last few weeks. And we know the Chargers, you know, they're better at run defense but not a lot better than what they were. You know, they're still one of the worst run defenses in football. And I've had a few people on social media go, well, they played well lately. And I'm going to go, you've played some of the worst running teams in football. And they're like, relax. It's not, it's not that good. 
and the Houston Texans ran the ball down your throat like you guys were not even there. So that's where I look at it to go because I know Brandon Staley is going to be good with the pass defense and have ways to take away some of the Derek Carr short passing game and all the things they do that way. But where it'll get dangerous is if the Raiders start to run the ball, then that'll open up another you know, 20 pages of the Raiders' playbook that's going to put Brandon Staley in that Raiders' defense and, 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 you know, with some problems. I do think the Chargers are more talented, but the Raiders, they know how to execute. They play really hard on both sides of the ball. That's the one thing when I watch Raiders games, I just go, man, it's pedal to the metal. They bring it. They hit. They hustle all over the field. It's not just one guy making a tackle. It's four guys making a tackle. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure who I'm going to pick here yet either, Mike. I'm kind of with you. I'm right on the fence as far as going back and forth here. How far do the Raiders have to advance for you to regard Rich Bisaccia as a viable candidate to be the permanent coach after his interim stint ends? Like, I already think he should be a viable candidate. I do. You, you've heard me in years past bring up his name from time to time. I know you have, right? I've, I've always He's always been that, like, you know, that small group of, I go, special teams guy that can be a head coach in the NFL. Always felt that way about him. You know, I, yes, I got to, to play and be there with him in Tampa Bay. But, yes, he was one of those guys where I've always told you about where I left an organization or he left and I just went, that guy might be a head coach one day. Uh, that's the way I felt about him. And, I mean, you know, again, yeah, I know he's not like an expert at offense and defense, but we've seen here he does know how to manage the football games. They do the right things in certain situations. They continue to play tough and be sound. And, man, who's who's overcome more obstacles than the Raiders, and they've continued to kind of just go forward. So, I mean, if he wins a playoff game, i got to sit there and go, what? you got to really, really, really think about this. But I think you got to think about it regardless because I think he's done enough here to, to at least you know be in the conversation for the head coach of the Raiders in 2022. Yeah, you know, I don't disagree with that. And when you consider it's been one thing after another from the John Gruden fallout to the Henry Ruggs situation, they kind of bottomed out. They have been inconsistent. Everybody's been inconsistent this year. Yeah. That's the beauty of the biggest season ever. There's been no wire-to-wire dominant team, and it's got to be so frustrating to these teams and their fan bases to look at their records right now, look at their situations and say, man, well, there was that game here and that game there. And if it just gone, you know, how different it would be. These are uh, the only two teams that are in this setting where one wins and they're in one loses and they're out and we'll see what happens. But again, there are some permutations that could allow uh, maybe both to get in or, or, or one to already know that they're in. I think there's a way that the chargers already clinch win or lose uh, going into Sunday night. But one of the key factors in confirming that Sunday night will be winning in, the Colts beating the Jaguars in Jacksonville on Sunday. Now, the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014, and the Jaguars got their only win of the season last year in week one against Indianapolis. But the Colts have a playoff appearance riding on this. And I look at it this way. If you can't beat the Jaguars in week 18, you shouldn't be in the playoffs. It's that simple. This is a team that has nothing to play for. They are lost. They gave up 50 points last weekend to the New England Patriots. If you can't beat them soundly, you have no business being in the playoff conversation. Oh, meanwhile, I don't know how many fans are actually going to do this, but there's this. Have you seen this? I have. The clown costume. Yeah, yeah. Clown paint. 
They've been using clown emojis and, and, and a picture of a clown with the Shad Khan handlebar mustache as a protest of the Trent Baalke appointment as GM and the report that he's going to be the GM after the next coach is hired. So we'll see what kind of a fan revolt there is in Jacksonville on Sunday. I don't know that it helps the home team uh, if there's a bunch of clowns in the uh, in the stands, although the fans would say, uh, you know, better to have clowns in the stands than the clowns we're used to seeing on the field. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. That is. I, I mean, you said it right. I mean, the Colts can't go. The, the Jaguars are a beaten football team. I mean, they, they, they can't wait for this season to get over with and be done. So, and, and yeah, I mean, they should be able to run the football on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I still don't think, even watching the game last week, I just go, man, I wish the Colts would go a little more all in on the run game. Like, yeah, you know, just just a, I, I, a little more. 20 carries for Jonathan Taylor was not enough. I know he had a good day, but, it, you know, coming away from the game, I just went, man, if they went two and three tight end sets and just decided they wanted to play smash mouth, they would have won that game. There's no doubt in my mind. But they could just at times just can't help themselves. we got to throw it with Carson Wentz. And I don't know if that's their best avenue to win. No, no doubt. But the Colts are, I think, a dangerous football team like we've talked about. They can they – can, they can match up with anybody in football on the offense and defensive line. So that's going to keep them in any football game. And, yeah, we'll see where it goes. I expect them to win. Uh, and, and Jacksonville, hey, that's, that's another story. We could spend a whole segment on that. But they got to get this right because I will say this, and I've said this a little on my podcast, Trevor Lawrence has gone the wrong direction over the last six or seven weeks. I mean completely the wrong direction. To where it's it's like, whoa, he missing a lot of throws. Holy crap, those are horrible decisions. Whoa, I can't believe the ball looks like that coming out of his hand right there. There's a lot of that. So they got to get the right guy in there to get him on the right track because he's their, their number one asset. And uh, that's got to be the concern for the Jaguars and you know this supposed clown show they got going here. It's going to be a huge point of conversation once we get into the full-blown quarterback and coach carousel starting next week, beginning with coaches and then quarterbacks after that. But quarterback destinations will be looming over these decisions as to who stays, who goes, and who gets hired where. We know the Jaguars are hiring somebody. And the one thing I'm confident about in Jacksonville, Daryl Bevel is probably not going to be yes. the permanent head coach. We no, have seen nothing right. positive from that team since Urban Meyer was fired, and uh, the fans are getting very restless, and uh, we'll see how that plays out on Sunday. When we return, Kirk Cousins is back with the Minnesota Vikings, he had some things to say, and the fans have plenty to say about what they want to see happen in Minnesota, an area where there's plenty of mystery as the offseason approaches. We'll discuss that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. 
Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. We'll talk Kirk Cousins later. For now, more developments as it relates to Antonio Brown. He's posted on Twitter an exchange that he claims he had last week with Bruce Arians. And uh, look, this just adds to the mystery. The the text message that that, uh, is at the top of the page basically says, this is Bruce Arians. We're not resting. Be ready to go tomorrow. And there's a picture, it looks like, of Antonio Brown getting rehab on his ankle and you know they go back and forth a little bit but this only proves what we already knew the Buccaneers knew he had an ankle injury going into the game yeah of course they did he didn't practice on Thursday or on Friday of last week he was questionable for the game the issue is whether or not he cited the ankle injury when being told to go into the game that's the thing that we don't know the answer to now on top of that on Instagram on the Instagram story Antonio Brown showing uh, an exchange with Alex Guerrero, the other half of the TB12 phenomenon, suggesting that there should be a refund of some of the $100,000 that Antonio Brown gave to Alex Guerrero because the TB12 method apparently not working for Antonio Brown the way that it should. And this is an interesting turn. The guy who never pays anyone for their services is now looking to get a refund. It looks like Guerrero was the only guy smart enough to get his money up front, Chris. Because you know what? He never would have gotten paid if he hadn't gotten his money up front. Because for the same reason Antonio Brown wants it back now, that would have been his justification for saying, I'm not paying you. So, we're starting to see a little bit more as it relates to the cracks that formed between Antonio Brown and Tom Brady. And, uh, you know, maybe Brady was okay with Antonio Brown finally being gone. And uh, and as long as, as long as, you can guarantee me that he won't be with another team that we're going to play in the playoffs, I have no problem with you guys finally moving on from him. I still think that that's the reason. And I don't think anything that Antonio Brown has put out today really changes anything. No. It just makes me, makes me feel even more strongly that he's hurting himself for the future by being so public about what's going on in Tampa Bay now. No doubt. Like, note to Matthew Stafford and Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, don't text message with Antonio Brown if you get him on your team. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's what he's doing. He's not really helping himself here. He's explaining his side of the story, and it's great because, yeah, we're getting a little inside look of what the hell's going on. Um, but I don't know. You know, Alex Guerrero there did – he did text and say, where do you want me to send the balance? As in, like, he was agreeing he would give him some money back, didn't he? I mean, I read that line correctly. So, yes, yeah, I don't I don't know where this goes. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad we're getting to hear and figure out some things, but I don't think this is helping Antonio Brown, to your point. That, that's for sure. And this was Christmas Eve. Uh, we're assuming that this is all – this is all – 
accurate and it wasn't you know i'll give him the benefit of the doubt these were actually sent and received text messages christmas eve early in the morning the first message from antonio brown to alex guerrero and you're right guerrero responds 8:43 a.m on christmas eve saying i appreciate you reaching out completely understand if you want to go in a different direction thank you yada yada you're a wonderful person i hope you're continuing blah, blah. Uh, please let me know where you want me to send the balance and it was two days after that he caught 10 passes for 101 yards against the carolina panthers right yeah so uh, just just a strange, strange, strange situation overall. And it underscores what's kind of been lingering as it relates to allegations or suspicions that the team wasn't thrilled with the way he was rehabbing his ankle, the ankle that kept him out from six week six until the suspension hit for the fake vaccination card. So th- there's been some stuff building. There's been some stuff brewing, and it finally exploded four days ago yeah I mean it definitely exploded there's 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 no question um I, I'm I, I don't know where this goes I don't know what else to say about it I really don't uh but yeah I'd it, say get your popcorn well, get your popcorn right, ready to borrow just, Terrell Owens line yeah it just there's 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 a lot to this and yeah I mean now Brady's getting thrown into this too and we'll see how he's gonna handle it I mean you know it's it's like it's like some of the fears that Bruce Arians ever had about Antonio Brown coming on the team. Here they are hitting him in the face, you know, at the worst time, right? As we're going to the playoffs, he's a distraction. And and this is what we're talking about. They had their out when he got suspended. They did. They had their out, but he, yeah. Remember what you were. I know this is where Brady shouting at each other 16 days ago over whether or not they should have brought him back. And, uh, you know, it may have just been the last straw for everyone going into week 16 and then week 17. They held it together week 16. Week 17 is when it all really hit the fan. And now it's it's flying all over the place. Antonio Brown fully motivated, activated, and determined to make the Buccaneers look bad for what they did to him. And Tom Brady will meet with reporters today. Arians, maybe today, definitely tomorrow, we'll hear from him because I know he does every Friday. And and meanwhile, I assume that everyone who covers the team is peppering the PR department for some reaction to what Antonio Brown said last night or what he's saying today because they've said nothing. It's been crickets yeah. from the Bucks yeah. since this all really reached a higher level last night. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll uh, have more PFT Live for you when we continue right after this. Derrick Henry back at practice for the Tennessee Titans after the foot surgery that initially we thought was going to derail his season. Nope. And, hey, all the more reason, Chris, for the Titans to Uh finish the season with a win, get the one seed, get a couple of weeks, and have Derrick Henry ready to go for the divisional round. Look out, rest of the AFC field. King Henry is about to reclaim his throne. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Again, it just... Modern day medicine, rehab, I mean, all these injuries that we used to think take two months, they take a few weeks shorter. Oh, four months, it's really only three months. And man, Derek Henry is a game changer, like you said. Hey, I, I even without Derek Henry, I certainly think the Tennessee Titans could still get to the Super Bowl. It ain't going to be pretty or sexy. That's not what they are. But you give them the number one seed with some healthy receivers and no Derek Henry, I still go, ooh, that's going to be scary. 
You know, again, they're another team, offense and defensive line. No team going to overpower them in that department. Really well coached, good secondary. You know, Tannehill takes care of the ball. We've seen when he has healthy receivers, they can make big plays in the past game. You add this to the mix now, it is definitely – it's it's no longer, ooh, a one seed that's a little underwhelming. It kind of goes to a one seed to go, oh, man, you got to go down there and, and stop that crew with that guy at running back now. It, it's, it's, it's huge. And it should give them motivation, to your point, this week to make sure they go put the nail in the coffin against the Houston Texans and make sure they're the number one seed. Because, man, what a great advantage to let him have two more weeks of practice to get in shape, slowly test the foot and get it going you know, just through natural movement and, and, and rehab that way, uh, I would think he could be really close to 100% if that formula kind of uh, unfolds the way we, we think it might here. And the Tennessee Titans have extra motivation to beat the Texans. It was Houston who came to Nashville in yeah. an ugly game. And you've said time and again, that was one where the Titans were the better team, but there yes. were too many mistakes, too many issues, too many problems. Right. Texans get the win. The, the Look, you don't deserve to be the number one seed if you can't beat a 4-12 right. Texans right. team. Just like we said with the Colts earlier, you don't deserve to be in the playoffs if you can't beat the Jaguars. The Titans don't deserve to be the one seed if they can't beat the Texans. And Deontay Foreman, you know, he's been incredible for the Titans. Definitely. I remember when he came out of Texas, yeah. and I'm looking at his final year, 2016 with the Longhorns. He had 2,028 yards, 6.3 yards per carry. He had 2,000 yards in 11 games that year for the Texas Longhorns, and he never really found his footing. I think the Texans signed him as an undrafted free agent in yep. 2017. You know, more proof that running backs are yeah. everywhere. And now, now you've got Derrick Henry, because it used to be Derrick Henry and, yeah, I don't know. we don't know. Now right. you've got a guy that you can work in, who can get it done, who has confidence and it makes that offense even better than it was before Derrick Henry got injured because Deontay Foreman has emerged. He had 132 rushing yards last week against the Dolphins. He's had three 100-yard games in recent weeks. That makes the offense even better. No doubt. And we thought it was going to be yeah. we thought it was going to be Derrick Henry and receivers. But no, now it's Derrick Henry and Deontay Foreman and hope AJ Brown can be A.J. Brown like he's been. And if we can get anything out of Julio Jones, that's icing on the cake. Yeah, icing on the cake. Good tight ends. I mean, yeah. That's a, that's where they're they're scary, and you you make a great point. You know they don't have to really like Deontay Borman shown he's capable of carrying the the workload. I mean what we saw again last week against the Miami defense that had been on fire, and you know it can stop the run. They couldn't stop the Titans at all, and Foreman was running over people. And man, you know you just think about playing them. You know here we are the second half. Oh my gosh, we got to tackle Derrick Henry. Oh wait, the other guys in. Oh wait, the other guy's six one two thirty five. Oh crap, we got to tackle him now. You, know, you worry about that, and then you add in like Dontrell Hilliard to the mix, who's more of the you know the jitterbug guy can make some people miss and and run for a big run. It's they got a nice mix of things there. The Titans know who they are. They don't leave that scope. You know, it's Vrabel. He understands how to manage games as good as anybody in football, like we've talked about. He knows how to take advantage of every rule, just like a Belichick or a Harbaugh or the great ones out there who are really into the nuances of managing the game. Uh, that's where he's special. That's where they're going to be tough. They are. I mean, you know, Derrick Henry coming back makes them, in my mind, the clear favorite to go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. I, I will say that right here. I think they're the clear favorite if he's back in, on, on, that, on that football team come divisional weekend. That's, uh, 
amazing to think that, you know, that they, they could be in that position. But credit to Mike Vrabel, who's getting lost in the coach of the year shuffle. And he doesn't You're care. You're right. That's the thing. He doesn't care. Yeah, he, he doesn't. doesn't care. Yeah. He, he's, he's got one prize in mind, and that is win a Super Bowl. But that team is going to be very dangerous, and they held it together. They never gave up. That's the Patriots' mindset coming through. When a guy gets injured, there is no long face. There's no, oh, woe is us. There's no, oh, it's not our year. Oh, well, at least we tried. It's let's keep going. Yeah. The standard is the same. We're going to keep pushing. We're going to keep pressing. We're going to keep trying to win football games. And here they are in a position where they have a potentially easy path, easier than we ever thought it would be to the Super Bowl if Derrick Henry is indeed returning. And that is great, great news for the Tennessee Titans. And it does make, I mean, think about it. You got the Titans, you got the Bills who have played better right. recently. Right. You've got the Chiefs who had the eight-game winning streak. Yeah. You've got the Bengals Ooh, who good. are really right. feeling good about themselves right. right now. You have the Patriots still lingering. Holy crap. What a playoff field we have in the AFC. Yeah. I, that, I mean, you you put it that right there. You just go, those five teams you mentioned there, I mean, I don't care who it is. Any of the four, I'll take in divisional weekend with any kind of matchup. You know, those are all, to me, you know, certainly the teams I look at to be the most viable contenders to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC. You know, I, uh, it, yeah, it's 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 these four you you see right here, along with Buffalo, no doubt about it. And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. There's still you know some ways all these teams can get the number one seed. I do think it's interesting, and I think it's cool that the Bengals are sitting out Joe Burrow. You know, I, I literally yesterday was in the in my podcast, and early on in the podcast, Mike had gone. I don't know if I was the Bengals, I might just think about resting guys here. I would. And, you know, my, my buddy Ahmed Farid is like, well, they can still win the number one seed. And I went, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, oh, maybe. I'm not sure. But I think they evaluated the situation for their football team and went, wait, some of the things we need to happen for us to be the number one don't make it – it's not likely to happen. Let's just make sure we're at our best for the wild card game and go from there. And, hey, one of their issues is Joe Burrow does get hit too much still. So I think that was a wise decision by Zach Taylor and company there in Cincinnati. And they still may win that game. Uh, the Browns yeah. aren't going to have Baker right. Mayfield. They'll go with Case Keenum, and who knows? When you look at how lifeless the Browns were on Monday Jeez, night, yeah. maybe, maybe you can beat Cleveland with backups because they're really limping into the final few steps of the race, and uh, it just it doesn't look good. So that, that may be part of it as well. And it, it is a, a calculated, strategic decision, Um but, but they still could end up getting the victory. Uh, and even if they do, yeah, it's going to take a lot for them to get the number one seed. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, we talked earlier about Aaron Rodgers and what he said about Habarkish. He said some things earlier in the day to Adam Shine that got overlooked and lost in the shuffle that may be very, very relevant to the future of Aaron Rodgers after this season ends. We'll discuss that next here on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. Oh, Aaron Rodgers. Before Aaron Rodgers called Hub Arkish an absolute bum for his claim that he won't vote for Rodgers for MVP for reasons unrelated to football, He's a bum. Aaron Rodgers had a podcast appearance on Sirius XM with Adam Shine, and it sounds like the ice of the frozen tundra may be thawing Ooh. a little bit as it relates to Aaron Rodgers' attitudes toward the front office and specifically general manager Brian Gutekunst. Here's Rodgers from yesterday. 
Well, Adam, the grass is greener where you water it. I, I really, I really <laughs> believe that. And you know, that's an adage to dissuade people from going out and taking risks and chances. And uh, you know, I think that you know where you spend your time and energy and what you choose to water will always be the greenest part of your life. And I decided. You know, when I came back, that I was going to be all in with the team and all in to to see things move forward to a better place, and that's what the conversations were about. You know, during the off season was about being a part of uh, those conversations that impact my ability to do my job. And and I, you know, from one of the first days, Brian and I sat down, and got on the same page, and it's been it's been a really nice fall and winter. I appreciate uh, you know uh, his approach, how it's been. And it's been very meaningful to me. So I'm thankful for, for that relationship uh, where it's at at this point. And that's made, uh, you know, made my life uh, that much more enjoyable. So I, I, I got to give Brian um, a lot of credit for, uh, you know, for meeting me in the middle. Um, look, it's a far cry from... Aaron Rodgers reportedly wants Brian Gutekunst to be fired and the crickets from Aaron Rodgers in response to that report. That's what made it even more glaring to me when that report emerged from Charles Robinson of Yahoo in the aftermath of the draft when everything first hit the fan last April and into early May. He wants Gutekunst out and Rodgers never said, no, I don't. Now they're talking about meeting in the middle. And hey, hey, Chris, we talked about this last week. As Aaron Rodgers gets closer and closer to the 2022 offseason, if he's thinking about leaving, the question is, where do you go where the deck is stacked in your favor? Where do you go that is going to be any better than where you currently are? And let me throw this other factor on top of it. Monday Night Football, the game that he participated in the Manning cast for in the fourth quarter, that love and that outpouring for Ben Roethlisberger, you leave Green Bay, you're never having that night. You're never having that moment. Roethlisberger went wire to wire with the Steelers. And I, I I think that it's setting up right now for Aaron Rodgers to go wire to wire with the Packers. I do too. I do too. I, uh, we've been saying this for a little while now, right? We kind of thought that the, the writing was on the wall. I think we both have made comments to where, like, if you made me bet at the end of the year, I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers is back with the Green Bay Packers. It just seemed that way. It seemed like, you know, he had men, mended the relationship between him and Gutenkoos, and I don't know where it is with Mark Murphy, to the fact where he can at least live with it. And like you said, I think there's the real point. Everything else is a roll of the dice. Right now in Green Bay, you know, again, I don't know if you're going to win the Super Bowl, but you know you got a team that's going to be in that conversation. You do know that for sure. And, yeah, it's hard to go somewhere else and, you know, restart the magic and get everybody behind you and believing in you. There's a lot to do there. And we know Brady and, and Manning have done that. But also – they weren't the MVPs of football two years in a row on the way out. He, he's regained some power here for two MVPs in a row, too, to where they're probably like, well, I think we might have to start watering this grass uh, of Rodgers' grass here because, damn, if he leaves town, we're going to look extra foolish now for losing the two-time MVP as he walks out the door. You know, Manning, you know, he had the injury. They had the number one pick. Andrew Luck was there. They kind of, you know, he knew he had to leave. Brady, the writing was on the wall. They were done. They wanted to rebuild the team. They weren't going to make it all about him just to patch it together so he could have two or three more good years. They want to have something substantial in the future. So I think you said it right, and I do fully expect him to be back in Green Bay next year.
here's the key. We talked about this last week. Step one, and this is where Aaron Rodgers just sits back and waits because he's given them back-to-back MVP seasons. He's given them that performance at a salary that is well below where the market currently is. Yeah, hey, $33.5 million, that's a lot of money. The market is currently $45 million. So all he's got to do is this. Let's see what they do. Yeah, Let's yeah. see what they show up with. Right. That's going to be the first move, the first step, the first inclination as to whether or not they want him. And he shouldn't have to do anything. He shouldn't have to get into any type of contentious negotiation where he's saying, I want this and I want that. All he's got to do is sit back and see what they do. And if they show him the appreciation that he's earned yeah. day in and day out, game in and game out with the performances he's put on there, if they show him that, then he's got his answer. And if they don't, then he's got his answer. Yeah. So that may right. be part of it too. You're right. That he's given them every opportunity to do the right thing if they want to keep him. Yes. If they want to keep him. Yes. But, you know, when it comes to meeting in the middle as it relates to financial realities of this, for a publicly owned company that has no owner that is cramming profits into the pockets of his pants and buying a super yacht with it, that's the one big difference between all that money. Yeah. All that money just sits there. This guy's the most important, the most relevant, the most significant employee of the entire corporation, and now's the time for them to to pay him accordingly. And if they don't, so I I amend my statement by saying that he will go wire to wire with the Green Bay Packers as long as the Packers wake the F up and pay this guy what he deserves. Yeah, right. Give him a little more money and give him a few more years. A lot more money, not a little more. I wonder wonder how much more he'll ask for. I I do wonder that. You know, they don't ask. No, that's my point. No, you're right. They he doesn't know. ask. Or hey, or maybe no, just like sign a receiver in free agency. Do something like on, that. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the there is nothing for him to ask for. That, that's what's important here. The market's been set. We know what it is. We don't have to. We don't have to get our hands dirty in this back and forth push and pull. The market's set. You want to keep him? You know what it is. It's out there. Everyone knows what it is. So. You want to keep him? They, they know. Yeah. So he'll get his answer. Yeah, you're Th- right. And that's the key. It's on them at this point. And if it falls apart, and this is where, you know, I, I think his PR approach at times leaves something to be desired, but I'll be his PR agent on this. If he wants out after this season, it's because the Packers failed to properly show him the appreciation based upon the performance, based upon the results, based upon everything he brings to the table and the value that he has going forward. It's that simple. If he wants out, it's because they failed to recognize it financially. And I'm not saying get every last dollar. He, should, if this is, he shouldn't have to pursue it. They know exactly what it should take, and they know exactly what they need to do to try to keep him around and keep him happy and keep him productive and maybe get a third straight MVP next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's capable of that. I mean, come on. This is where I mean you're right. I mean you're 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 saying it right. It's all on them. He doesn't have to do anything else. There's no doubt. I mean, what were this is the greatest quarterback of all time? You know I think that. I'm, there's no way I'm coming off of it now. I mean he's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in my life. There's no doubt. It's a team sport. Yeah, he hasn't won as many Super Bowls, but come on, I'll, I'll get back to it again. I mean, people are crazy if they don't think that Aaron Rodgers on the New England Patriots would have won six Super Bowls. Like, are you kidding me? Come on, get out of here with that crap. He's got 
83 touchdowns and nine interceptions the last two years. He is the MVP. He is playing football at an efficient level that we've really never seen in the sport, let alone it's not efficiency just to be efficient and go, oh, I've thrown for 72% and look, I made no it's he still can throw 60 yard lasers with the best of them and does. You know, he's 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 unbelievable the way he's playing right now. So you're right. He needs to just he should just sit back. And I don't think Green Bay, you know, I didn't think Green Bay was stupid enough to draft Jordan Love, but uh, hopefully they've learned their lesson here to where yeah, they're not stupid enough to not you know let this guy out the door when like the writing's on the wall. He's got at least two, three more years of high level play. At least I'm being conservative with that right there. And you just you don't let that walk away. You you make sure that stays there in your organization. Hey, and you know you know what? If the end result is the Jordan Love pick was a bust and we're never going to get any value out of him and we're going to trade him for a fifth rounder that could become a third right. rounder or whatever, fine. So what? Fine. Right. Not the first, it's not the first time right. a team pissed away a first-round pick. Right. The Packers were the one team in 1989 that didn't take the future Hall of Famer in the top five. They took Tony Mandridge. They survived. Yeah. They won a Super Bowl seven years later. Right. So, so – you do what you got to do. Yeah. They, they got a guy who has been one of the very best quarterbacks of all time. He's getting better with age. And why would you not ride that for as long as you possibly can? And and part of the reality, and this gets back to Hub Arkish, he's yet to acknowledge that he was wrong. Somebody in that front office, whoever it was, whether it's Gutekunst or whether it's Mark Murphy, who may have been the puppet master and trying to set up these conflicts and in the hopes that it all erupts and explodes and results in victories and maybe a Super Bowl win. Somebody's got to recognize they, they, they you know, it worked because they've gotten great performance out of Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, now's the yeah. time if you want to keep him around. Right. You got You got to take care of him. Yeah. They, they have had a hell of a bargain. Thirty three and a half million. Aaron Rodgers makes that. Jared Goff makes that. Yeah. <laughs> That's Insanity. <laughs> Insanity. The Green Bay Packers. <laughs> uh, Kirk Cousins is due to make $35 million fully guaranteed next year as a member of the Minnesota Vikings. He missed a critical Week 17 game against the Packers because he tested positive for COVID-19 last Friday. He's unvaccinated, so he's tested every single day. So, so he was going to be positive and he was going to miss the game because he's tested every day. He, he wants us to view it a little bit differently. Here he is from yesterday, back with the team, meeting with reporters. In my instance, it wouldn't have mattered just because I had mild symptoms. They don't want you playing the game with COVID. I would have tested positive regardless. So um, in, in my case, it, it, didn't, it didn't make a, a big difference. It didn't make a big difference. It made a difference. See, this is – and I remember over the weekend, I think it was Shefty reported that Kirk Cousins self-reported COVID symptoms and tested positive. And my reaction was, it's irrelevant. He's unvaccinated. He's tested every day. Doesn't matter. Uh, right? Hey, Vikings. Hey, Vikings. Um, you, you may want to test me for COVID right before you test me anyway for COVID. It doesn't matter. But where it does matter is yeah. if he'd been vaccinated, right. they wouldn't have tested him that day unless – the symptoms would have been enough, number one, for him to notice I've got symptoms, and number two, for him to actually disclose them. Because maybe, and when you're vaccinated, you might just go, I'm weeks. not, I'm vaccinated. I don't care that I don't or, feel 100% or, or, today. I'm not going to. Hey, hey, yeah. number one, maybe the symptoms would have been even more mild. Or number two, he would have done what we think plenty of guys are doing, which is not 
put his hand in the air. I mean, this is a, a potential legacy game. Are you going to get to the playoffs for the second time in four years, or is it going to be one time in four years after you've gotten all this money from the Minnesota Vikings? How are you going to be remembered as a member of the Vikings? How are you going to be remembered as a quarterback in comparison to your peers? I think it would have been very tempted to conceal the symptoms if he were vaccinated and if they were mild, and he would have played. So I reject that. This is his way to avoid getting criticized for not being vaccinated because what came to fruition last Friday was exactly what we feared for him, for Carson Wentz, for everybody else that was vaccinated, whether we knew it or not. Oh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the only difference is the Colts got lucky, excuse me, because Carson Wentz tested positive on Tuesday and was back for the game, even though they lost. Cousins just flat out missed the game. Not that they would have won. They still would have lost that game. Maybe they would have covered. Maybe it would have helped you in your best bets. Yeah, seriously. But, uh, but, but they still were probably going to lose that game. But, but it's, a, it's just a, it's, it's a bad look for him to try to massage it into, well, I would have been positive anyway Chris. right yeah I, I agree with you there I do I, you know I, I think yeah if you're a vaccinated player and you don't quite feel 100% you might just chalk it up to a little bit of like hey I'm I'm tired I'm exhausted today whatever long I'm season. worn out from the long season right I think there is that too and I don't know I'm not trying to say that but I, I, I can certainly see that you know being a part of players who are vaccinated in a locker room coming in on a day and going Man, I don't feel like my total self, but I'm a vaccinated. I'm just tired and worn out from the long season like you're talking about, no doubt. All right, we got to take a break. We'll wrap up this Thursday edition of PFT Live right after this. Antonio Brown is having quite a morning. Now, this is funny. This is on his Instagram story. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. There's uh, there's A.B. Uh, playing the role of young Joe, Joe Burrow. And, Marv. <laughs> and, and the wet bandits are Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. I could see Bruce Arians playing a role like that. He's got that look, doesn't Definitely. he? Definitely. He could be the wet bandits in a reboot of Home Alone. Uh, now, now that that is an entertaining post from A.B. Troubling that, that uh, he had further text messages that he shared with Alex Guerrero, including his bank information. Get that, get that, take that down. No one can see. I don't think anyone can make out the numbers, but uh, yeah, don't put your bank information on social media. Anybody, especially somebody who may have some money in an account that can be raided by, uh, you know, the, the folks who are constantly trying to get people to give you their bank information. I, yeah. I mean, yes, he, he, he woke up hot this morning, uh, obviously. And yeah, that home alone thing's funny, but uh, I, I do, I, I find it interesting that it's now gone to like attacking Brady too here, where it's, I want to go like, what, what happened to make this relationship go south? Uh, that's where I just, yes. it's interesting. Like what I brought up early in the show. I mean, as soon as the game was over, he unfollowed him on Instagram, which would make me believe that there was something there he was truly mad about. But, you know, maybe we'll get more one day. Yeah, we'll be following this uh, throughout the course of the day at ProFootballTalk.com. And at 5 p.m. Eastern today, it's the Joint Megapicks podcast for Week 18. We'll see you then. Have a great afternoon. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.